So thankfully, someone told her to come in and see us because they had heard and we had done it before for people that a single person in a nursing home, we can protect about half of the assets. So she was obviously ecstatic. Uh, she called, the office came in, and we sat down and I said, tell me what's going on. Welcome to the Elder Law in a Box podcast, where Todd Watley, certified elder law attorney, will discuss topics affecting our seniors and their loved ones in the elder law field. And now, here's Todd Watley, former president of the National Elder Law Foundation. She said, well, my aunt is in a nursing home. She's completely incapacitated, and she has about $300,000, and I just thought, we're going to lose it all. But someone at the nursing home told me that you could possibly save part of this, and I said, yeah. Typically we can if things fall into place correctly. I said, now, this is your aunt. Does she have children? She said, no, I'm basically the one who has cared for her most of the time. And I said, okay. I said, well, we don't want to cause problems with the family. We want to give money where your aunt wants it to go. Do you happen to have a will? And she said, yes. I looked at the will and it was very clear that this niece was the only beneficiary of her estate. I said, okay, well, that's good news. I said, you said she's incapacitated. Can she sign? Can she do anything? She said, no. And I said, do you have a power of attorney? She said, yes, I do. I said, well, okay, so far so good. I said, let me look at it because just being a power of attorney doesn't automatically fix the problem. She gave it to me and within about 15 or 20 seconds, I got to the spot that told me what I needed to know. And I set it down on the table pushed it across to her and I said, I'm sorry, I cannot help you. She was devastated, put her things in her briefcase, got up and left the office. Well, Todd, that's a terrible story. And you always say, everybody needs a POA. So why couldn't you help her in this situation? I do say that. I do say that if you have a power of attorney, that we can do things, but the power has to be there to allow us to do the things for Medicaid. What her power of attorney had was the worst thing possible. Many times, the language is just simply not there, which can be a problem with the state that doesn't authorize us to give the assets away. Just as a backstory, and we'll do many more podcasts on this, but the issue is with a single person, the way we preserve assets is to give them away. We deed those to the person that they would want it to go to at death, but we do it prior to death to protect them. And so as the sole beneficiary, it was perfect. Yes, we could have, but the power of attorney did not only not tell us we could do it, it said we could not do it. It was very adamant to say the agent cannot make gifts to herself. So therefore there was nothing we could do. She had to spend $300,000 on her nursing home care. When had that sentence not been there, and possibly a sentence that says she can make gifts to herself when it's in mom's best interest or aunt's best interest, we could have done it. We could have protected $150,000. Powers of attorney are documents that authorize someone else to handle things for you. All right. It is a legal document, typically at least notarized, sometimes witnessed, that authorizes another person to do things for you financially and then another document for health care. 
You can download these off the internet. You can actually go to a non-elder law attorney and get these. The problem is there is many times language in there that is not there that we need to be there. There are tax reasons for not allowing someone to gift, okay? So when you give the power, Tricia, if I did a power of attorney with you and I said, you have full access to give my assets to yourself, the IRS then says, okay, we have to add your estate plus my estate since you have full access to my estate. Well, for some people, that's a problem. And when I say some people, that means those people who are worth over $11.4 million. It's then and only then that having this gifting language in the power of attorney is a problem. I don't work with clients worth over $11.4 million and probably everybody sitting at the table combined estates wouldn't be $11.4 million. So therefore the gifting language needs to be in the power of attorney along with a bunch of other things that need to be there in order for us to protect your estate at some point. Okay. Yes, you can download your power of attorney off the internet for very cheap or free, or you can spend a little bit and go to an attorney who will do basically the very same document, but just like this lady. She spent maybe a few hundred dollars on a power of attorney that was not only inadequate, but prevented us from doing the things we needed to do. And that power of attorney cost her $150,000 because I was not able to save the $300,000 estate. So with powers of attorney, should you go back and have them re-looked at during Absolutely. a period of time? And, and shouldn't it change through different phases of your life? You know, if you're saying everybody over 18 needs a power of attorney, surely you don't need, do you need that gifting language in them? My answer is yes, because you don't know what's going to happen. If your 20-year-old teenager has a car wreck and is brain injured and has assets for whatever reason, grandma died and left them a bunch of money, they will not go on Medicaid until they're under $2,000. And so Medicaid planning could occur for a 20 year old, but it's probably not very likely. And so typically for people under about 40, we just do the statutory power of attorney, but we also make sure it's filled out correctly because there are some blanks in almost every state has a, a statutory power of attorney that you go through and you initial power. When you read these powers, you may think, oh my Lord, I don't want to do that. I don't want to give them that power. I can convince you of a reason why you should. So therefore it's not just, yes, I can download this off the internet. It's you need to fill it out correctly and understand the ramifications of initialing or not initialing certain powers. So yes, it is crucial that anyone over the age of 18 do a power of attorney, but it's just essentially mandatory that if you're aging and the chance of you being incapacitated is pretty great, you have to have a power of attorney. And if you don't, we end up with a guardianship and that's court and it's expensive and it's humiliating and you don't want to go through guardianships. There's a podcast on that. You don't want to go through guardianship. So do a power of attorney that authorizes the agent to do what needs to be done. So that's one reason you would use a certified elder law attorney because they would know that information. Absolutely. And your maybe regular attorney might not? Mm -hmm. Okay. Because we are taught in law school not to give people too much power. You don't want someone the ability to close out your bank account without your knowledge. You don't want them to give themselves assets. And we don't appoint just anybody, okay? But yeah, if you're 40, that's probably not a great idea. I can argue that 
it could be necessary, but it's probably not necessary at 40 because the chance of incapacity is very, very low. But it should be there, and particularly for the older client, it's almost mandatory that it be there. And I'm not fussing that attorneys are on purpose doing things wrong. We're not taught that in school. And we're taught to not do that actually, but they don't teach elder law in school. And in these situations that I've been through hundreds and thousands of times, I can convince you we do need this power. We need it to be there so that we can protect your assets. So for people listening, um, I know if I was listening and didn't know anything about elder law and what you do, I would get a little nervous saying, okay, I'm giving somebody the right to make gifts on my behalf. Mm -hmm. Do they have any recourse if that person doesn't make good decisions? Very good question. Yes, when you appoint someone as your agent, they have a fiduciary duty. That is the highest level of duty to say, I will only do with your assets what is in your best interest. So the listeners probably thinking, why on God's green earth would it ever be a good idea to close out my bank account? I'm dealing with a family right now both of us know them, that mom is infatuated with the Publishers Clearinghouse Award. And he just needs $100 for this and $100 for this. And he's always got her, he's got her, he convinced her to go buy a a brand new car that she cannot afford because when this $22 million comes in, she can easily pay for it. She can buy everybody in her family a car. How great would that be to buy everyone in your family a car? I just need $300 to cover this processing fee. And she goes to the bank and she pulls out $300 and she sends it to him. Well, another day, another problem. She is spending all of their income on this guy and not buying food, not paying this new car payment, not doing anything other than sending this guy money. In that situation, wouldn't you like the power to be able to go to the bank and close the bank account to protect her from doing that? Yes. It's in her best interest that we stop her from doing this because we know there is no $22 million prize out there. We have to step in and take control. That's why my power of attorney says that with the understanding the agent has a fiduciary duty. Now, if she was not doing this and the daughter is the agent and she needs a car payment, she can't just go pull money out of mom's account and pay for her car. That is not in mom's best interest. That is a violation of the fiduciary duty. And therefore, yes, we can go after her civilly as mom's attorney, I could go after her and the prosecutor can typically go after someone who violates this duty. So this is probably a really good conversation to have with your family to ask do you have a POA and encourage people to go out there and get that done because it's really important. It is important and the the, um, statutory power of attorney is better than nothing okay I would definitely recommend you can typically download that from your state bar whatever you can find those pretty easy but I really encourage if you are older you need to go to a good elder law attorney and let them discuss the advantages of a very comprehensive financial power of attorney. And we were talking about certified elder law attorneys. If you can find one, if not, just make sure the attorney does elder law. They're, they don't just dabble in it. You know, Make sure that, and, and there's some really good elder law attorneys who aren't certified elder law attorneys. They've just, for whatever reason, haven't seen the need to do the hassle that it becomes to become a certified elder law attorney. So there's some good attorneys out there who aren't certified, but just When you call, make sure that 
a vast majority of their time is spent on elder law and not just they're doing a divorce and a DWI and a, a bankruptcy and say, oh yeah, I do elder law. You have been listening to the Elder Law in a Box podcast with Todd Watley, Certified Elder Law Attorney. If you'd like more information, please find us at www.elderlawinabox.com.